Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, Rob Linstead concludes his update on the conflict between Ukraine and Russia and how it relates to Bible prophecy. New Year means new opportunities to meet our speakers and get in-person details about what is happening in our world. Registration is now open for all of our 2023 conferences. This year's theme for our conferences is Clarity to the Chaos. Each conference will be packed with speakers that will help you and your family make sense of the nonsense. Florida, California, Tennessee, Kansas, Indiana, Ohio, and Nevada are all on the schedule with more locations coming soon. Check out the events page of our website for all the details, swrc.com, and click on events. Here's Greg Patton and Rob Linstead with more insight into Ukraine, Russia, and its connection to Bible prophecy. Well, we're continuing our conversation with Dr. Rob Linstead from Wichita, Kansas. What a great message yesterday and exciting. We are coming down the wire. I know that we've been saying this for some time, all of us, but I believe it's truer now than ever before. Brother Linstead, you can take off right now. I want to hear what you have to say. Well, here's an article that that I found just so interesting because December the 28th, the report came out that Iran is very close to being able to enrich uranium to the 90% level. Now, the reason why I found this captivating is because my PhD is actually in mechanical engineering, aerospace engineering, and nuclear engineering. And so I have some background in this area. My PhD dissertation thesis actually was on nuclear meltdowns and, and reactors. And so one of the dreaded enrichment numbers that every single engineer knows about is the fact that when you get to the 90% level, really, you're at a position where a person could begin to do some damage. And I say that because, you see, 90% military grade, they can take an offensive position. In other words, the production of a nuclear weapon is very possible. I say that because the book of Zechariah actually talks about the flesh melting off the face of people. I do think that in the tribulation, there's going to be some, some nuclear holocausts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I now, agree. So here's Iran. And Iran, up until now, Israel has kind of stood in the gap. And the world knows that this is coming. The United States knows it's coming. And for some reason, we continue to give permission for them to do this uranium enrichment, even when we had a chance to stop them. It's almost like giving someone who's a murder a murder weapon. Because the Iranian government said this, that they're not going to be content until they have destroyed the big Satan and the little Satan. The big Satan is the United States. The little Satan is Israel. And they admit that when they have nuclear power, their job will be to destroy both of us. Now, I think that maybe we in America have a buffer zone. Maybe we're not so worried about it. But can you imagine Israel, little teeny Israel? And your nearest neighbor now says, we have military-grade nuclear weapons, and we're going to destroy you. You can see why Israel would be so concerned. And so now a new government takes over in Israel. And believe me, Netanyahu knows that one of his number one situations to take care of right now, not next year, not six months from now, right now, 
is to make sure that Iran does not do something crazy in terms of their nuclear weapons. So that made the news this week. And I'm afraid that with the holiday storms, with the holiday time, I don't know how many Americans even paid attention to it. But here's another one. Russia did something so clever. First of all, we know that the gas line that fed gas to Europe, particularly to Germany, there's a big debate about who did it. Did Russia blow up their own gas line? Did America? I'm thinking that probably America did it because America and President Biden actually predicted that this would happen. He says, we'll stop the gas flow. And then it occurred. And so no wonder Europe says that it was probably America. No wonder the whole world is blaming America. They, they no longer trust us. And so now a new article just came out the last few days of December. It says this, Russia bans oil exports to countries that support a, a price cap. Russia is now saying, okay, people are going to pay for this. If our gas line was blown up by somebody, probably America, but anybody, then they said, our price of gas is going to go up. Germany now is begging, said, you can't do that. We can't afford that. We're in the midst of hyperinflation. We're in the midst of, of every disaster you can imagine. We're going to lose millions of people because we're going to have a cold winter. We don't have gas. And Russia say, no, we're going to put a cap on this for both oil and gas. And so now energy has become, again, a prominent news story. And guess what Russia says? Russia says, okay, here's how we're going to supply it. Of all things, just in the last two months, we have the United States brokering a deal. And offshore of Israel is the biggest gas load in the world. They call it the behemoth, the dinosaur gas field. And when Israel developed that and owns it, all of a sudden, Lebanon says, hey, that really belongs to us. And they said, no, no, wait. And so the, the map was drawn and people have looked at it. And America, of all things, came out on the side of Lebanon. And here's what they proposed. This is unbelievable. But I have the news articles right in front of me because I'm shocked. Because here's America. And what we've just said is that this gas, we're going to give it to Lebanon. And not just to Lebanon, we're going to give it to Hezbollah. And Hezbollah then will give a royalty check to Israel. Now, when was the last time a terrorist organization, Hezbollah, has ever written a check to the Israeli government? A royalty check. Unbelievable. And I shake my head. I say, can this be happening? And now Russia is saying, you know what? The world owes us an apology. The world is getting onto us because we're killing people in Ukraine, but we're going to get onto the world because the world blew up our gas lines, and whatever we destroy in Ukraine, that's nothing compared to what the people are going to freeze in Germany because they blew up a Russian gas line. And so you see, Russia is blaming America, blaming the Western world for killing innocent people, and we're trying to say, Russia, shame on you for killing innocent Ukrainian people. This is a very twisted, snarling net. Convoluted, to yeah. say the least. And uh, we don't know what's going on. I mean, the things that you've shared no. yesterday and already today are mind-boggling. And we know you've done your research, etc. But I think you're correct. We were buried here in snow in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and freezing temperatures. And I think most of America just uh, fell asleep right through this one. And I think we're going to stay there. I know you're right in the middle of it, brother. So what else? Here's one that's going to shock people. It shocked me. 
and I try to stay current with these things, but, but when I tell you, it shocked me because this happened on Christmas Day. And so as I got up to do my usual Bible reading and, and got up to do my, my usual you know, check on the news, uh, not just in America, but, but kind of worldwide, and particularly in Israel, I was shocked because here's the headline. Russia demands ownership of three churches in Jerusalem. What? Now, that's exactly what I said. I mean, of all the countries in the world that would be interested in churches in, in Jerusalem, it seems like Russia would be on the bottom of the list. Here's what they're saying. First of all, they say that there's a church. It's called the Church of the Ascension. And when you look at the Temple Mount, between the Temple Mount and the Mount of Olives, there's something called the Kidron Valley. And so you go from the Temple Mount through the Kidron Valley to the Mount of Olives. And on top of the Mount of Olives, there's a Russian church. It's called the Church of Ascension. And who knows where Jesus ascended to heaven? But the Russian Orthodox Church, well, they have a place there. And they say it occurred here. And matter of fact, they say that there's a footprint. And that footprint's about 18 inches long. And they say that's the actual footprint of Jesus when he ascended to heaven. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't buy it. Russia said, okay, that's our church. We want ownership of it. We want, we're making some demands on that. Next, there's a church in the old city, and it's called the Church of Mary Magdalene. They say you know, it's one of the final resting places for one of the princes of, of Russia. Queen Victoria's great-granddaughter, I think, was there, and, and other famous people have found their resting place there and so on. And they're saying, okay, that's also ours. And then they have another church, and it's right there on the Mount of Olives. And they're saying, you know what? We are demanding that the Russian territory that is included in these churches be given to Russia. Otherwise, what we're seeing is that people are claiming Russian territory that belongs to us. And so they're getting on to us because we're going after Ukraine. But the truth is, they're taking our, our land. Let me tell you this. Mr. Putin is a demented man. He's demon-influenced. There's not a sane person in the world that would say Russia has any demand and any right to the demands that they're making. But this is the kind of person that we're dealing with. And that's why I think the world looks at this and they're almost throwing their hands up saying, okay, how do we deal with this man in, in Russia? And so they see him as being so far off key that then the Ukrainian leader comes here and he goes to Congress and he asks for money. And we know that Mr. Putin is crazy. I mean, look at his demands. His demands on gas. He's supporting nuclear firepower to Iran, who's an enemy of the world. He's making demands for churches. He's looking for gold. He's looking for oil. He's looking for gas. Okay, so now the president of the Ukraine comes and the price tag is $100 billion for the war. Isn't it amazing that all of a sudden the Russian forces coming into the Ukraine ran out of gas just a couple miles of where they were heading for? Was it on purpose? Are you telling me that the Russian army didn't have, have enough gas to, to do it? I'm not so sure that maybe the leaders of these two countries aren't working together because they have drained from America $100 billion. And the other part that is just as shocking is that of the $100 billion, $60 billion are unaccounted for. Mm. Now, I don't know about you, but if you make a mistake in your ledger of $60 billion, someone's got to explain where did this money go? And there are many people that think that there's politicians both in America 
in the Ukraine and in Russia that are all profiting from the war. The war is the best business that they could have ever had. They're getting more money off of the war than they would off of any industry. It's even outstripping their oil business. Their gas business is taking money from the United States and probably other nations as well who are supporting them, but we certainly are. Wow, what a convoluted mess it is. And so I'm looking at nuclear-enriched weapons on the brink. I'm looking at Russian soldiers and tanks on the border. I'm looking at Russia who demands that the gas be given to Hezbollah, and Hezbollah, we know, has already satisfied customers in Europe using Israeli gas, and they've never paid Israel for it. And I'm looking at Russia demanding land and a foothold in Israel. That may be what they claim and say, hey, we have every right to invade Israel because they have our land. These are sacred grounds. These are religious grounds, and we're going to take them. They did less than that when they invaded Ukraine. That's why when I look at the Bible, and the Bible says in the last days, Rosh and its hordes are going to invade Israel. Well, we need to pay attention to these headlines. But here's the other thing that is so encouraging. I think before all this comes to its final head, I think we could be looking for Jesus to come at any time. That's our blessed hope. Maybe. And that's why I think day by day we've got to go back and read the Bible because otherwise the, the headlines would discourage us, but the Bible, it always encourages us. Absolutely. You're listening to Dr. Rob Linstead, and I am just fascinated. Never thought about a possibility that Putin and Zelensky are working together somehow against the United States and $60 billion missing. I mean, these are fascinating facts, but what should – the average Christian listening to Southwest Radio Church today and you speaking, what should we be doing, number one, and how should we be praying, number two? Great questions. First of all, I'm praying for the families, the soldiers, and the innocent victims of both the Ukraine and Russia. A few years ago, we had the privilege of going to Russia, and we were able to distribute, I think it was close to five million Bibles and pieces of the gospel literature. We set up a couple hospitals and dentist offices and orphanages and we fell in love with the Russian people. They weren't cruel. Communism was cruel. I hate communism. I hate the government. But the people, they were open to the gospel. And I'm praying that this conflict will lead them to go back and to search for Christ. Amen. To search for the answer. I read another article where I think it was 100,000 young, bright minds of Russia have fled the country trying to get into any other place because they didn't want to be a part of Russia. I'm praying that somehow these bright minds will come to Christ and maybe some of them come back and influence some of the people to, to turn to Jesus Christ in the Ukraine. Wow, how terrible. These people don't have the defense systems that they need. And so I pray for them. I pray for their safety. I pray that somehow the war machine will get bogged down to where it can't kill these innocent lives and that they will turn to Christ as well. I pray for the leaders. I think these are wicked leaders. They've been involved with money scams, with illegal drugs, money laundering on both sides. I pray that somehow they'll be convicted by God of this. And so those are things I pray for, for those people in those war-torn countries. And here in America, I pray for us because, you see, to me, we have the privilege of knowing that we're living in the last days. We have access to God's Word. And so what it says to me is, you know what, more important than anything else is to see people come to Christ. Amen. And I say that because, you know, every day if I go to eat at a restaurant, 
somehow I, I need to share Christ in some way. Maybe it's just to say a kind word to a person. And they say, wow, why would you pay for my dinner? I can say, well, because, you know, when Jesus was here, he fed the multitudes, and so I can feed one person. Or maybe it's just a, you see someone in a hurry and say, yeah, you go ahead. You go ahead, because Jesus said this, the, the first will be last, and the last will be first. And I don't always have to be first. And just tell them, you know what? I'm going to show you the love of Christ, because the love of Christ was willing to lay down his life for others. And we're in such a hurry in this country. And we're always looking out for our own good that maybe sometimes we pass up the opportunity to show people Christ. And so that's what I'm praying. I'm praying that in these last days, people might be able to see Christ in me somehow, some way. I might be able to direct them to God's word and then direct them to the Savior of the world, the one that went to the cross, died for my sins. I, I deserve to go to hell. My sins were obnoxious to God, and God sent heaven's best for me. And there on that cross, he gave his life. He shed his blood. But thank God, the grave couldn't hold him, and he rose again. And so I serve a risen Savior, and I'm looking for that risen Savior to come back for me. And you know what? He may come back today, and I want to be looking for him and ready for him if he does come today. Dr. Lynn said, I am so happy to be able to talk with you these last two days and so grateful for the wisdom and what God has given you. Thank you so much for being on the program. Happy New Year. Lord bless you, brother. The complete two-day conversation on Ukraine and Russia in Bible prophecy with Rob Linstead is available on CD when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Was the Russian invasion of Ukraine foretold in Bible prophecy? Find out in the DVD, The Russian Invasion of Ukraine in Bible Prophecy by Rob Linstead. This DVD contains over three and a half hours of Bible teaching from Rob Linstead. You don't want to miss out on this outstanding resource. Order the Russian Invasion of Ukraine in Bible Prophecy DVD when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. You can also order online swrc.com. Pastor Larry Spargimino is here with a moment of prophecy looking at the timing of the rapture in relation to the Great Tribulation. Some Christians will tell you that they don't believe in the rapture. They will say that the word is not in the Bible. They will tell you that the rapture is a late invention and was not believed, nor was it taught in the early church. What are we to think of such comments? Well, mainly this. Everyone who believes the Bible believes in the rapture. Everyone. If you don't believe the rapture, then you don't believe the Bible. The Bible clearly teaches that at some future time, Jesus Christ will return and catch away his people. That's the rapture, also known as the great snatch. 1 Thessalonians 4.16 puts it this way, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. When people say, I don't believe in the rapture, they're saying, I don't believe in the pre-trib rapture. That is, they don't believe that Christ will come before the tribulation to rapture away the church. 
Some believe in a mid-trib rapture, that is, the church will be removed from the earth somewhere in the middle of the tribulation. Others believe in a post-trib rapture, meaning that the church will go through most of the tribulation and be removed just prior to the return of the Lord. As I study the scriptures, the conclusion that I come to is that the rapture is imminent. There are no signs that have to occur first. Nothing has to be fulfilled. We're not looking for a revived Roman Empire, for the mark of the beast, for the kings of the east. We are to be looking for Jesus Christ. Only the pre-trib rapture maintains imminence, the sudden coming of Jesus Christ, without any warning. Those who are post-tribbers have a yo-yo rapture. Just prior to the second coming, the saints are raptured up into heaven, and then, right after that, they come down to earth with the Lord Jesus Christ at the end of the tribulation. If the rapture occurs at any other point other than prior to the tribulation, then once the church enters the tribulation, there will be signs indicating at what point God's people are in the tribulation. The rapture would not be imminent. There are those who see the return of Christ as one single event at the end of time. But a study of Scripture will show us that there are stages or manifestations of the second advent. Some passages speak of the Lord Jesus Christ coming for his saints for the purpose of their translation. Those are rapture passages while other passages speak of Christ coming with his saints for the overthrow of the Lord's enemies. That's the return of Jesus to come to this earth. In addition, there are passages that speak of Jesus coming when men are at peace, buying and selling, while other passages speak about the Lord coming at a time of war and great global distress. So there are different phases of the Lord's return. It's not all happening at one time with one general resurrection. There is a coming in the air, a rapture, and then there is a coming to earth of the Lord Jesus Christ. The rapture is the first phase of the Lord's return, followed by a time of great tribulation. The return of Christ to earth is a return in great power and glory for the destruction of God's enemies and for the establishment of the kingdom of God on the earth. The rapture occurs suddenly and without anticipation of signs. That is not at all true of the second coming. Hence, we can say that the second coming of Jesus to earth is not imminent. An imminent event means that it could happen at any moment. Other events may occur before an imminent event, but nothing else must take place before it happens. Passages that speak of the Lord's imminent return instruct believers to look, watch, and wait for the Lord's coming. Though he may not come at any moment, he has not yet come for some 2,000 years. Here are some of the key New Testament passages that speak of the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 7 says, So that ye come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 16.22, Maranatha, meaning our Lord come. Philippians 3.20, for our conversation is in heaven, from whence we also look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 10, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead even Jesus. Titus 2.13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, 
Jesus Christ. Hebrews 9.28, So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Any understanding of these passages other than the pre-trib view must redefine imminence more loosely than these passages would allow. The exhortation to look for the glorious appearing of Jesus Christ to his own loses its significance if the tribulation must intervene first. In that case, believers must be looking for signs. The pre-trib view does justice to the concept of imminence. Only those who believe in the pre-trib rapture can sing, Jesus may come today, glad day, glad day. For mid-tribbers, their rapture is at least three and a half years away. For pre-rathers, it must be at least five and a half years away. And for post-tribbers, it is at least seven years down the road. The any moment return of Christ is one of the truths in the New Testament that fills us with hope, anticipation, and motivation to godly living and fervent evangelism. Christians should live with this hope every day. Jesus may come today, even right now. Only the pre-trib view gives full meaning and full recognition to this hope. After describing the rapture in 1 Thessalonians 4.18, the apostle concludes with this command, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Just think about those words for a moment. If the Apostle Paul taught a mid-trib or pre-wrath or post-trib rapture, would the prospects of the rapture really be that comforting? If God's people have to endure three and a half years, five and a half years, or all seven years of ghastly suffering before the Lord comes, how much of a comfort would the rapture be? It would not be the kind of news that would warm your heart and bring a smile to your face. Dear friends, we do live in troublesome times. There is evil everywhere and in every place. And yet we have the blessed hope. What a hope it is. At any moment, the trumpet could sound and Jesus Christ could come for his church. That reminds me of the importance of us being urgent in soul winning and doing the work that the Lord would have us to do. I believe that we are living in days of great opportunity. Things are happening around the world that is shaking the very foundations of communism, of atheism, of all of the isms that we have to face in the world. There is only one true God, the living Lord Jesus Christ, who's coming again for his people. Do you know him? Have you put your faith in Jesus? I hope you have. If not, Ask him to save you. Ask him to be your Lord and your Savior. Today's featured resource is Rob Linstead's DVD, The Russian Invasion of Ukraine in Bible Prophecy. This DVD answers the question, was the Russian invasion of Ukraine foretold in Bible prophecy? According to Bible prophecy, Russia will amass a coalition to invade Israel in the end times. Find out who will be involved, when it will happen, and what it means for us today. This DVD contains over three and a half hours of Bible teaching from Rob Linstead. Order the Russian Invasion of Ukraine in Bible Prophecy DVD by calling 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. 
Lord willing, we'll be back here Monday ready to once again bring clarity to the chaos. Don't miss a moment of Watchmen on the Wall. Download our SWRC mobile app or subscribe to our daily Watchmen on the Wall podcast. Head into the weekend, my friends, with the encouragement that God is still on the throne and prayer changes things. Watchmen on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Please visit swrc.com.